Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert where your sin left you lost on the brink. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you Come to the water of life You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you dream deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to There was a mother in Ephraim in Israel who was very angry. She was angry because someone had stolen about $25,000 from her in silver, and she wanted it back. But she had no idea who had taken it. She uttered 
curses against the person who had taken the silver. And finally, her son came to her and said, The eleven hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, I have it. I took it. His mother said something very strange. She said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. Well, he gave her back the $25,000. His mother said, I'm going to dedicate, I'm going to dedicate almost half of this to build a beautiful idol for you and your family. And as well, I'm going to have that silversmith make some other idols for you as well. Well, that called for a big celebration. (laughs) With it, Michael made an ephod. That is the way you determine the will of God. Household gods. And then he ordained one of his sons and said, You be the priest. Now, in those days, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. He didn't want to go all the way to Shiloh. That's where the tent of meeting had been established. Now, change the picture a minute. There's a young man of Bethlehem in Judea. He was a Levite. And he found this man, Micah. And Micah invited him to come and live with him because this young priest was out of work. He had no way to earn a living. And so he went searching for a place where he could live, where he could make a living, a job search. Well, he found Micah. And Micah said to him, Well, come stay with me. Come and be a father in my household and a priest, and I'll give you ten pieces of silver a year. That's about $200 a year I'll pay you. I'll give you a new suit of clothes and I'll give you room and board. Well, the Levite, he thought that was a pretty good deal. At least, he was covered. Now, Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, because I have a Levite in the house. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And the tribe of Dan had not had any allocation of property. So they were divided up. They lived in two different cities, but they wanted to come together, and they wanted to establish the tribe of Dan. So they sent out five men. 
these five men were to go and check out everything, find a place where no one else lived, and there they would establish the city of Dan. So they set out on their journey, and as they were traveling down the road, they heard the voice of a of a Levite that they knew. They wondered what he was doing. So as they listened to him sing, they went to the door. And they said, what are you doing here? How did you get here? Why have you come? And then they said to him, would you pray for us? Would you inquire of the Lord that we could know whether we will be successful in our journey to find property that we can build a city in called Dan? He said, yes. He said, go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eye of the Lord. You hear the lies. He didn't pray. In fact, God wouldn't have answered him had he prayed. He was a hireling. And these men were not following the way of God. The house of the Lord was already established in Shiloh. But they now were trying to establish their own house of God. Looked like trouble. But it also looked like this was possibly another advantage. So the tribe of Dan had 600 men of war, armed with weapons of war. Very powerful group of men. And very determined. They went through the land and they found a perfect place. And this group of 600 men with their wives and their children all began the journey. Then Ephraim was wide open space. Nobody would bother them, but there was a town there. Well, they went in and killed everybody in the town, cleaned it out, burned the houses. But as they were going, they stopped at the gate of Micah. And the five men who had originally explored the land went in. And they talked with the priest. And Micah's loss, because they took the ephod, the household gods, all the images, and they took the beautiful idol made of silver. Now, this priest said, wait, 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 what are you doing? And they said to him, keep quiet. Put your hand on your mouth and come with us. Be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest in the house of one man or to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel? The priest's heart was glad. 
He took the ephod, he took the, the gods, he took the carved image, and he went along with the 600 men who were going to build the city of Dan. So as they were departing, they put their little ones and the livestock all in front because they knew that a band of men would be chasing after them. And sure enough, when Micah got home and he found everything was gone, he called out all of his friends and neighbors, and they chased down the tribe of Dan, and they shouted at them. And the whole group turned around, and they said to Micah, What's the matter with you, that you would come with such a company? And he said, You take my gods? Gods that I made? And the priest, who is a part of my household? And you leave? What do I have left? How then do you ask me what's the matter with you? And the people of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows fall upon you and you lose your life with the lives of your household. And then the people of Dan went their way, and Micah saw that they were too strong for him. He turned back to his house. Any of this sound familiar? Does this sound like what happens in America? Now, what's interesting is the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And the man who was the priest was Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses. And he stayed there with them until the house of God at Shiloh was destroyed and he had better opportunities. Does it break your heart that the grandson of Moses is involved in such wickedness? Gershom was never close to Moses. He was a mama's boy. But Jonathan certainly knew his grandpa. But he chose to go the way of the world. Gershom did not go the way of his grandpa. Idols are a a major issue in the scriptures. And they're a major issue today. We just don't see the same things as idols. We don't make, oh, some people do make gold or silver idols in their home. I think some nations are accustomed to gold and silver idols. But what overwhelms me when I began to think about and pray about what is an idol? 
And I finally concluded that an idol is any person or anything that we love more than Jesus. Many of you have dogs as your idol. The dog makes you happy. You are always concerned about your dog. Now, cats, other pets can also be idols. Anything that we prefer more than Jesus is an idol and will take us into behavior where we go our own way and we don't care. We just want what we want. We want our familiar cultural landscape. I want to read for you a passage of Scripture. It's the book of First John, the fourth chapter. No, First John, the fifth chapter. And we know, verse 20, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true and his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Who is the true God and eternal? Jesus. Jesus is the true God and the eternal life. And then verse 21, it seems to just Hang in space. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Woohoo! Keep yourself from anything that you love more than Jesus, because he is the true God. Jesus invites us to live in him and to let us live in him, and he lives in us. It's both ways. That really becomes difficult because there are so many things we love in our culture more than we love Jesus. Jesus is in our culture pushed way over here to the side. I got my hair cut. And I asked the woman who was cutting my hair if if she knew the story of the Good Samaritan. She said, no, what is that? She was that biblically illiterate. Now, do you suppose that she's an idol worshiper? Absolutely. Almost everything she loves is an idol to her. Her kids, her husband, her job. She loves, she's a happy, happy go. 
Her name is Sunshine. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. She doesn't love Jesus. And so Jesus does not dwell in her. She dwells in darkness. She lives in darkness. She's happy in darkness. Because she doesn't know Jesus. Joy comes from knowing Jesus. Struggling with this notion that an idol is what I love more than Jesus. Have you seen Jesus? I haven't. Oh, I have in a in a dream. In a vision, I saw Jesus. But when you don't have the ability to see someone or to talk one-to-one with them, how do you love them? Well, that's why he gave us the Bible. He gave us the Bible to read and understand who this Jesus is who dwells in a far-off place who has promised that he would come again and receive us unto himself, that where he is there, we may be also. In other words, we will be together in the future. Long-distance relationships are are very difficult. But I want to tell you, a long-distance relationship lacks something. You can't be in that person, and that person be in you when you're distant from each other. But with Jesus, that's what he's offered us. He's offered to dwell in us, and he's offered to have us dwell in him. So in the spirit realm, there is absolute intimacy with Jesus. Now, I'm going to be very straight with you. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with it because, well, just because. And I, I've had to say to myself, Ray, you're very shallow. You're very shallow. Why would it be that I'm shallow? Because I'm not praying as I need to. Praying and repenting, confessing this morning early my shallowness before God. Now, I'm not shallow intellectually. I'm not shallow in my relationship with my wife. We talk about everything. But with Jesus, I'm shallow. That has to change. I've made a decision that I'm going to go deep with Jesus. Now, I've always read the word I prepare broadcasts by reading the word in a short time of prayer. I don't want you to get the idea that I don't pray. I do. I pray earnestly. 
but I still find myself shallow. And I hear Jesus not condemning me. I hear Jesus calling me to come deep into him and he into me. It's an old hymn that just keeps running through my mind. I won't sing it to you because then you would turn it off for sure. I'm going to just read it for you. Let it soak in. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. Ever I love thee. My Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. Ever I loved thee. Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in the heavens so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow, if ever I loved thee, my Jesus. Tis now. It says it, and I do love him. All my soul, my heart, my mind. But I'm still shallow. This shallowness, I credit it largely to the busyness of our culture, to the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil with all of the smorgasbord of activities that are available to us. Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in other words, there's going to be a lot of good fruit on that tree. But that tree, if you eat of it, will take you to hell. Why? Well, because that fruit does not lead you to Jesus. It leads you to be your own Jesus. Some of you would answer, do you believe in God? You'd say, yes, I do. I'm God. I've had that answer from people. I'm God. I'm as good as it gets, one man said to me, a businessman, very wealthy man in Baltimore. I'm as good as it gets. Well, no, he's not. He's not good at all. It really raises the question, are you like Micah? You make your own rules, you go your own way, you do what you want to do, you you date whomever you want to date, or you marry whomever you want to marry. You, Your life is your life. It's your life. You, This is your shot at life. And so you're going, you're, you're after your life. 
Is that you? Well, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is there for you. It's been provided by the devil for you. And it's meant to be a place that keeps you entertained, keeps you interested. It's like TikTok. You want to watch one, you want to watch two, three, four, five. It's it's shallow. It's cheap. There's nothing for you. So when our heart is awakened and we begin to see what we're really doing, we begin to realize that we really are shallow with Jesus. And if we're going to enter into his kingdom, that is going to have to change, dramatically change. And we're not going to be able to go do what we want to do and live where we want to live. If I lived anywhere in America that I would most enjoy living, it would probably be somewhere in Wyoming or Colorado. But I don't live where I want to live. I don't want to live in Washington, D.C. It's a wicked, wicked city. It's a dangerous city. It's a city full of every imaginable unclean thing. So why am I in Washington, D.C.? Because this is where God told me to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus. And so I'm here. I'm doing what he told me to do. Where are you? Where are you? Are you doing what Jesus has told you to do? Or are you doing what the devil has invited you to do and offered you the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And some of you think that it's enough just to try to be a good person and and live your life. No, it's not. We were not called out of darkness into the light. We were not called to Let the world overcome us. We were called to serve the living God of heaven by reaching out in love and compassion and mercy to other people and talking with them and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ and inviting them to become followers of Jesus. We were not called out of darkness to live our own selfish lives. What it would mean if if we were just living a good life, we would be consumers of godliness leading to wickedness. I don't want to live that way, and I won't, and I'm not. I live for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm admitting today I feel very shallow. And I know what I have to do to change that. I'm already spending several hours a day reading scripture. But I need to add to that intense, intense and deep prayer. Crying out to God 
for America, for the lost, for the dying, for my family, for my wife. I was not called to be shallow. I was called to go deep. Are you deep? Are you going deep with Jesus? Are you drinking deeply of the water of life in Jesus Christ? That's what we're called to. So what are you doing? I'll be very, very straight with you. Most people that I know are worldly. Even those who go to church and call themselves Christians, they're not Christians. They're worldly. They love the things of darkness. They love the leisure that's provided in America. They love the lifestyle. They think they are entitled to be in America. Well, you're not entitled. You're not entitled to a wonderful lifestyle. Most people in the world don't enjoy a wonderful lifestyle. Most people in the world suffer deprivation, loss, lack of freedom, lack of resources. But in America, by the blessings of Almighty God, we can live very well. that all we're doing is living well there's no king and so we can do what we want to do we can go where we want to go we can say whatever we want to say are you kidding is there a hunger in your heart to go deep with Jesus there is in mine there's a fire burning in my heart for Jesus Christ. And I know that fire has to be fed by the Spirit of the living God. I know it has to become a consuming fire, not just a warming fire. What are we doing? What are you doing? Are you content to just go to a nice, happy, clap-clap, cotton candy church? Are you happy to do that? Well, my friends are there. My mom and dad are there. So, are they alive or are they dead? What's scaring me is that everywhere I look, I see dead people walking. And they try to break out of that in any way, and the demons of hell will attack you, and you won't even know it's demons of hell. But they'll attack you. They'll do everything they can to seduce you and keep you in that lukewarm condition. And there's no fire in your heart for Jesus. 
Now, how long are you going to live with no fire in your heart for Jesus? If you have nothing for Jesus, if you don't love him, well, then, okay, for you, you've got some major choices because, frankly, you're on your way to hell. And you can laugh at me if you choose. You won't be laughing one day. But most people who are going to listen to this broadcast will at least call themselves Christians. But they won't be Christian. They've deceived themselves. The call of God right now in America is for Christians to wake up and make choices and leave leave these churches that are happy, clap, clap, cotton candy, prosperity, to get out, to go to a place where men and women are hungry for Jesus and where they're willing to pay any price they have to pay to serve him, to follow him. It's real. You get it. The gospel of Jesus is real. There is a real heaven. There is a real hell. But you look around and, oh, let's go shopping. Let's hit Target. Let's go to Wegmans. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's go to a restaurant. We don't have to be serious. You're asleep. Wake up. It's time to get to Jesus. I know. I told you I'm shallow. I am. But I'm not going to be. I'm choosing deliberately to deepen my prayer life in Jesus Christ. And for me, that means confessing everything in my heart and letting him examine it and tell me, is any of this an idol? I don't want an idol in my heart. For me, it means spending time not playing games and not watching television not wasting time on the internet or the cell phone but going to Jesus and being serious about struggling with the issues of the day everything around us has been set up to keep us in a cage of numbness not really going after Jesus. I want Jesus. Do you? Are you serious about him? Are you reading the word? Are you praying? Are you talking with people? Are you winning people to Jesus? Then you're a dead man walking. Oh, pastor, don't say that. I... I'm serious about following Jesus. Are you? If you're serious about following Jesus, where's the fruit of your life? Well, pastor, I just talk with people and I'm just friends with people and and they can see by my life. Really? They can see by your life that you're a good, comfortable American. 
They can't see that you're serious about Jesus because you're not. Let's pray. Lord, it scares me because I see how dead we are. And it has to change. There has to be a a spark of your Holy Spirit put in us and a fire started that will burn as we go deep in you, Jesus. As we search after you earnestly, Jesus. The church, Jesus, is dead. You know that. We're dead. Can these dry bones live? Yes. By the power of your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking Jesus, would you release your Holy Spirit now? Lord, I listened to a man, a pastor, as he told the story of Tommy Hicks in Argentina. And he talked about how it all started with Brother Miller. He's an older man, like I am. I wanted to say to him, I hear all of these old-time stories and how much you love the old time. But what about right now? Have you sparked the fire of the Holy Spirit now in your life, in your heart, in your family? No. I'm just going to talk about the past. Enjoy the stories of the past. Well, I'm not interested in the stories of the past. I want to write new stories for America today. I want to write new stories of conversion. I want to write new stories of people coming because they want to be a part of something, because they want to confess their sins and get right with Jesus. Lord, I don't want the old... I love Charles Finney and, and all the others. But I'm not interested, Lord, because I want it now. I'm not going to give up until the fire of God falls in America. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit today? Would you spark a fire in those of us who know the gospel but are shallow? Lord, bring us to life. Change us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. We need his fire. We need his power. Lord, we need another Azuzu Street. But not like Azuzu Street. We need something even more powerful than Azuzu Street. Because today... Lord, people don't want to even come and hear a sermon. They don't want to come and listen to this broadcast. Lord, I watch the few people who will even listen to something as strong as I'm giving, and Lord, I'm still cold. I need the fire. Lord, would you come? You set a fire in the hearts of Christian people in America. Would you forgive us for our lukewarmness? Lord, we think because we talk about lukewarmness that we're on fire. Lord, what a... It's a joke. 
It's dead. And then people will go listen to Joel Olstein and say, oh, isn't he great? Yeah, he pets you in your flesh. He comforts you in your wickedness. <laughs> Many others today, Lord, just comfort us in our wickedness and give us strategies for succeeding, for being successful. Lord, I have no interest in being successful. I'm interested in the fire of God coming and consuming every part of the idol that is so prominent in our church today. Lord, today, pastors are working so hard, probably harder than many have ever worked, to build up as much brush as they can in their church. But after they get all the brush filling all the pews, Lord, they have no Holy Spirit spark to start a fire. It's dead. It's entertainment. It's ugly. Lord, I don't want to ever go to another worship service with entertaining pastors telling jokes. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go to a church who's going to lift up the Eucharist and be very dramatic. And everybody says, oh, amen, 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 and then they go out and live like hell. Lord, this has to change. We can't live this way anymore. The non-Christians look at us. The pagans look at us. And they laugh. They scorn because they see the hypocrisy. They see the deadness. They see the lack of the spark of the living God. Lord, please, please send forth your Holy Spirit. I don't want to live this way anymore, Jesus. I'm going deep with you. And I'm inviting those who want to go deep to come and join me. To come and be a part of what you're doing as you lay the groundwork now for revival in Washington, D.C. Lord Jesus, please send forth your spirit. And accomplish this work. Lord, without the spark of your Holy Spirit, without the presence of your Holy Spirit, what are we to do? I think we have two choices. Close up shop and stop pretending we're churches or get real with you. And go deep. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. O Lord, I come and pray for a total change in me and a total change in those who listen. And I'm asking for you to send a spark of fire 
that will turn into a raging fire, that will consume wickedness, that will call your people to repent, to admit their shallowness, and say, we have to have a change. We can't continue living this way. There has to be a vibrancy and a life in you, Jesus, that's put in us. So, Jesus, I plead today for your mercy and for an awakening in America and an awakening in the person who said, oh, I agree, we need an awakening, but he didn't say, I want the awakening. Lord, until it becomes personal, it will not happen. And so I come today saying, would you, would you cast down every idol? Would you make plain to us what the idols are and how we worship and kiss them and delight ourselves in them? Lord, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Spirit. Awaken us. Cause us to tremble in your presence. Send your fire. Send your fire. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley. I hope this message has disturbed you. I hope you're willing to say with me, I'm shallow, and I'm ready to go deep with Jesus, and that you're ready for that spark of fire from the Holy Spirit, because it is coming. I pray today for the sick. I pray for those who are in pain. I pray today for those who are in emotional pain, that, Holy Spirit, you will reveal yourself, that you will surround each person with your mighty presence and your power, for you are the God who heals our sicknesses. By your stripes we are healed. Lord, would you quicken the heart of every person who's listened, that they can know that you are there for them, that you're not a God who is far off, you're close by, and you're prepared to change their heart. Lord Jesus, please come and and bring your work of grace. For it is by the precious blood of Jesus that we repent. And it's by the precious blood of Jesus that we are healed. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us with your presence. We worship you and honor you and glorify your name. This song I My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. 
I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. Ever I love thee. My Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in the heaven so bright. I'll sing with a glittering crown on my, on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. You notice I'm in my new studio, my old studio again. We've changed everything back to what it was. I'm still waiting on the Lord. But more than healing in my leg, I want healing in my heart. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory.